1: Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. I'm here with Lance, loves yelling, psycho. I'm Alex, uh, don't like yelling, gore. <laughs> uh, we have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about how the first sales bite is the hardest. Is that, is that a play on the first, da, 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 baby I know? That song? Sure, Al. <laughs> I thought you how planned that. Go? Nope, not at all. Oh, okay. Uh, talk about how sales is like fishing, look into the economy, see what's up, and have <coughs> some fun guests from there. But before that, if you're looking to level up your business and, and skyrocket your profit, go to buildabetterco.com, where we have the five shifts to increasing your profit. Check that out, buildabetterco.com. Com. Can't
2: find the product data you're looking for. You might be using the wrong search engine. Broad search results, broad searches result in consumer products, out of date information, and websites that don't that hide or don't have the information you're looking for. If you need specifications, CAD or BIM, RCAT.com is your search engine. Find and download the up to date data you need fast. RCAT.com is free and requires no registration. So try RCAT today. That's A R C A T dot com. Check them out. This episode is also brought to you by Pella Luxury. Experience a collection of brands that brings your creative vision to life. The luxury division of Pella is a world-class collection of brands, including Durather, Riley, and Bonelli, all pioneers of industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. During this new year, we know how important it is to step back and spend time in gratitude. We appreciate all our clients trusting us with their projects in a record-breaking year. We are excited and ready to take on the new year in 2023. The luxury division of Pella doesn't push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. That's PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. So
1: Lance, how you fish. (laughs) That's what they say. (laughs) How is sales like fishing?
2: Uh, So I think this is a, uh, this is sort of a, uh, a thought that a thought and an idea that I've had over the past couple years because of all the fishing and that is and I think this is this is the important thing to keep in mind for everybody so if so you meet with a client if you're like us you meet with them on a Monday then within 24 hours you're turning around a proposal if it's a small pro- smaller project uh you know new custom house addition uh, maybe even a tenant finish something like that and you're the first the first bite they're giving you is you know, you're putting out your lure, right? Your lure your, your lure already attracted them to you, right? And now the first bite you get is they want a proposal from you, so you send that to them, you check in with them, um, you follow up with them one time, and maybe they get back to you, that's your second bite. Then I think your maximum times you're trying to reel this fish in and get them to bite and get them on the hook is a th- is a third time because it's just like fishing. You might get you might get the one first hard bite, you miss them, dang it. And then fish come back sometimes a second time, and maybe you catch them, but the longer the process goes, you know, if the process starts extending itself over like a couple weeks instead of a couple days, I don't know the correlation or, you know, there's probably a chart that I should have looked up for this, yeah. but your your catch rate is much less the longer the the time extends.
1: And, and my analogy is, I think, in two different ways to, to fishing. One, if you have a camera down there, especially in ice fishing, sometimes if they come back to the lure three times and they kind of almost figure out, they're like, nah, yep. nah, yeah. I don't, I don't know, like what you're putting down. So that might be the client. <clears throat> the other way to think about it too is um, sometimes they just nibble on whatever you got, especially if it's live bait yeah. and they're smart enough and they just eat off the chunks that they want. And then they're like, I'm gone. I'm not, I'm not going for that shiny hook in the middle. I know it. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that I would add is that sometimes, you know, you'll be sitting on the dock and they'll come back out of nowhere, like literally 45 minutes later. And that's just a surprise fish. You just got your surprise fish. Yeah, congratulations. Be happy with,
2: congratulations. So I think there's something to be said about like impulse, impulse buying at that point. Like there's an there's just probably a strong impulse and a reaction in a positive way if you if you're hooking them right away within within. I think didn't you just have one? Like you sent the proposal in the morning and then you got the contract later that day, signed I, or like within within 24 hours something that quick.
1: I think I sent it at one and got it at three. Like they said signed checks in the mail. Like it was that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so just, oh, time time. It's even better. I think I had, it's something like this. I had the meeting with them at 10 AM. I sent the contract at one. They confirmed that they signed it and sent in the, in the mail at three. Like that's what it was. That's it was, a
2: hungry fish. Yeah. yeah. And, and so <clears throat> don't beat yourself up when you're trying to, when you're trying to get new work into into your firm or your company. It's it, we we've said before that sometimes it's a very it's a long eighteen hole game too, and I think that that applies differently. Like so we you have people sometimes that come back you know literally after years or like you're planting a seed to just get your name out there. That's entirely different than you know you have the sales meeting, and 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 that's the analogy we're we're making here. So the the overall thing is like I don't think you follow. I don't think it's not so much following up. It's seeing. I mean, you're not checking in with them. Don't do the just checking them in in thing. It's if you didn't get them after three times of, you know, like the second, the first time would be, um, you know, you're sending the proposal. Second time is, uh, hey, hey Marge, let me know if you have any questions. And if you don't, we'd be happy to get you in the schedule. and We can do that as soon as uh, as soon as we have a signature and a retainer in place. You know, like you're using commanding language rather than sort of asking language and then the third time is something similar, and if it doesn't bite, that if it doesn't bite, then like your chances are just going to go down. I think stop wasting your time after the third time. I, I just I'm I'm not. You just you
1: can just let it sit. Yep, that's what I'm trying to get across to everybody. Yep, and and my second email is normally something like this: is uh, it go, the proposal will go out on whatever random day is right after we met, so it might be a Wednesday or a Thursday, right? Then on Monday, <clears throat> we're scheduling things with with all of our crew. And we have basically two weeks scheduled. Yeah. And then, because I'm looking at all the projects and we're looking at the hopper, I normally think like, oh, I just met with that client on Tuesday and sent them on Wednesday and then they haven't got back to me. Hi, Marge. Um, this is Alex. Just We just scheduled you know, our, our two weeks out uh, and uh, I wanted to reach back out with you and see if you wanted to move forward with us because then the next Monday, I can put you on the Bingo. schedule. Yeah.
2: Proactive, assertive, leading language. You don't want to lead. You want to lead. You're not trying to get led. Like this yep. fish isn't going to lead you. You need to lead the fish. Yep. Yep. Bingo. Um, catch that trout. Catch it. Catch it. Yep. All right. Now back to you. All
1: right. All right. <laughs> so, uh every a lot of people will know if they're following it that the feds did not raise interest rates. They did hint that. They were planning on raising it twice more uh, by the end of the year. Uh, but what people are pointing to is China is cutting their interest rates. And basically what big money people say who play big money games, who <laughs> manipulate the currencies and, and all that, is that if China is cutting, the U.S. cannot raise. It's competition-based. If China's flooding the market with money, the U.S. can't raise. The only thing that I would add... That's kind of uh, foiling the the Fed's plan is they are cutting their money uh, going out, but the U.S. government seems to not cut. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's kind of playing back and forth. Um, even Did you hear about the, the billions in AIDS, the 6.2? 6.2, yep. yep, 6.2. Did you hear how that happened? By uh, accounting error. Yep. Did you hear how the accounting error happened? No. Okay. So, our infinite wisdom government saw that Put him when, in charge. when some of uh, the weapons were going out, some of the accountants valued those weapons as replacement costs. Because if you send a tank, you're not probably getting it back. Probably not. <clears throat> well, you probably aren't asking it for back, and it might be getting blown up. Mm-hmm. So, they said, oh, to replace that tank costs however much a tank costs. Another person in another part of the country said, oh, uh, we sent a tank. That tank is five years old, Mm. so it has depreciation. So Mm. it's not worth $10 million. It's worth $8 million, right? So the amount of aid we're sending them is actually $8 million worth because the tank is, is however many years old that I said. So then they discovered this disparity in this that oh, we shouldn't think about it as replacement costs. We should think about it as depreciation costs and you know what it's worth. So now we can send them more stuff, which means we still have to eat the replacement costs. We're not getting it for the <laughs> depreciation costs. You know what I mean? We're not getting a new tank for what we sent. So taxpayers are on the hook even more than oh, they thought rough. because of the way that they're accounting for it. So, uh, yeah.
2: Classic. Classic. Well, we got to, I mean, so what do you think then? Okay. So, oh, sorry. Going into this. Back to the Fed, though. I mean, because that's what's important to uh, business folks. Yep. Uh,
1: so China is lowering it. Um, Lo- They're lowering what? Their interest rates? or Their they're... interest rates. Really? Yep. 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 Lowered their seven-day reverse repurchase rate yep. by 10 uh, basis points to 1.9 on Tuesday. Um. They also say that China might do some stimulus, that manufacturing is basically flatline or down. Um, Policymakers are finally acknowledging economic weakness, uh, said uh, Michelle Lam, Greater China Economist at Society General SA. Sounds like a French place. (laughs) Uh, Goldman Sachs Economists are forecasting a... Uh, 25 basis point cut to the reserve requirement ratio for lending, which will free up more money for banks to boost lendings in the third quarter. Okay. This leads, I think I'm going to jump you Lance and go to housing. Okay, good. So uh, (laughs) there's a, the article that I have up is housing experts. Here's how to bring a to be, affordability back into check for buyers right and the three ways that are stated in this article is you can either raise incomes which is kind of happening but hard to do hard to do lower interest rates which is one thing that you could do you could almost cherry pick to lower interest rates for an industry but now you're getting into government manipulation yep right oh. um, even more than what the government is manipulating or you could lower home prices uh-huh. <coughs> The issue with just lowering home prices is once you, if somehow you could just say, hey, sell your house for less existing homes, you still have to buy a new home. Yeah,
2: that's a really good point. You still have to buy with these crappy way. interest rates. The inflated prices. The prices have actually stabilized. Um, so there was there a crash? You could say that by the metric that a lot of places fell more than ten percent. That's the definition of a crash. Yep. But uh, they ended up stabilizing. There's just not enough supply. Again, like I'm, I'm sure, I understand. I understand that uh, there was a huge run up, and that what goes up must come down. But it, the correction is there. Like it's not. It's stabilized.
1: Well, the interesting thing about the supply, so actually home builders are doing quite well. And do you know why home
2: builders are doing quite well? I don't know, but I'm about to tell you why uh, we're moving into positive territory
1: in June after you're
2: done with your little segment there, Mr. Gore.
1: Okay. We're dovetailing nicely. So I'll I, dovetail, Gore. I, I will then, I'm just showing a graph of, of interest rates and then I'll answer that question. Uh, basically, we are at, what is this at? 6.67. Back in 2006, 2008, I didn't know it was a similarly high. Yeah. And that's
2: how they, that's how they ended up selling the adjustable rates.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then that's where people got into trouble Yeah. because then all of a sudden, if you had a house at 6% and you could afford a $300,000 house uh, and you get an adjustable rate at 3%, you can afford an 800 to a $900,000 house. But then once the arm changes back up to six, now all of a sudden all those arms are kaput. And then now all the housing comes back on the market, floods the market, crashes the market, and then all that happens. Okay, why uh, builders are happy. No one's selling their home because even if you have – even let's just say uh, you, your kids are in college. You have a five-, six-bedroom, four-bedroom house, and what you would normally maybe do is sell that house and go live in a two-bedroom, small house, whatever – you're not going to do that because you're not going to gain any money out of it when you have to buy a new house. So Correct. all the existing, unless you have to move, you are not selling. Right. But people, there's still a demand. There's still a demand. So homo home builders are seeing this and saying, wow, we have less competition because that whole half of the market is barely online. So we have, we can have more people coming to us. Um, the only kind of issue with with this, which will kind of dovetail together, okay? They say the three ways to bring affordability back into check is to raise income, lower interest rate, or lower your home price. How about this? <coughs> Increase the housing stock. Yeah, and, supply. And, <laughs> supply. Increase supply. Simple. Get out, Increase... out of the way. Everybody, government, get out of the way. Yep. Move. And a, a small small caveat, like. Um, because I deal with this, I deal with this all the time, and and governments, and then uh, people that 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 have a say around that. Oh, you know, we don't want it. We want the process to be slower and all that. This isn't going to solve it. Yeah, if everyone thinks that way, and and if you think outside of yourself, people are thinking that way. It slows down everything. Yeah, slows down everything. <coughs> Well, the so what that dovetails into is that we've got the the last
2: article of the day here is builder confidence from our good friends over at the National Association of Home Builders. Builder confidence moves into positive positive territory in June. Solid demand, a lack of existing inventory, and improving supply chain efficiency helped shift builder confidence into positive terry for territory for the first time in 11 months. So we might once again. Is this is this needle going to be threaded out? Like I I am I am optimistic. Last episode we talked about how, how inquiries were going up for for us on our end. It seems like uh, it seems like things are things are headed in the right direction. The the Fed paused and everything. Uh, builder back to the article. Builder confidence in the market for newly built single family homes in June rose five points to 55, according to the National Association of Home Builders. Wells Fargo market market index released today. And this article was just so everybody knows it was published a uh, couple two days ago. So uh, let's see here. This marks the sixth straight month that builder confidence has increased, and is the first time that sentiment levels have surpassed the midpoint of fifty since July. I wish the only thing I wish you had to contrast this with is the latest AIA building billings. Like, are they above fifty now? So are both trending above fifty? So on the design mm-hmm. side and the build and the supply side. Um, I wonder if they're doing... Look it up real quick. Builders are feeling... Look it up, Jamie. Builders are feeling cautiously optimistic about uh, market conditions, given low levels of existing home inventory and ongoing gradual improvements for supply chains, said NAHB chairman. A bottom is forming for single-family home building as builder sentiment continues to gradually rise from the beginning of the year. This makes... Marks the first time in a year that both current and future sales components of the HMI have exceeded 60. Al's going to pull something up here. Um, and then last thing I have to say, uh, and in another sign of gradual optimism for the sale state of demand for single-family homes, the June HMI survey showed that overall builders are gradually pulling back on sales incentives. Three bullet points. Uh, 25% of builders reduce home prices to bolster sales in June. The share was 27% in May and 30, so it's dropping. The average price reduction was 7% in June, below the 8%, and 56% of builders offers incentives to buy in June, slightly more than May, but fewer in December, 2022, 2060, uh, 20, 62%. Yep.
1: So here's the billing index, and it is for May. Hmm. Um. We'll current, doing does 51 Uh, for billings, design contracts, 52. Last, the previous month was 48, so... We're trending. Buck, we're trending. Hey, we're trending.
2: Op- op- optimism. I'm here. We're here.
1: <laughs> the other threading the needle, right? Chamath Paula Paula Tahia. Sorry if I got that wrong. A lot of people know Chamath. Uh he's on uh uh man, what is it called? What's the podcast, Lance? Uh Patrick Bet David? No, Chamath's podcast. I don't uh, know who that is. All in. All
2: in. That's All what you listen in. to. That's what
1: Al listens to. He brought up a good point. But I generally think he's wrong. I oh. think he, he was wrong on <laughs> cryptocurrencies. He was wrong on he. I think he's wrong on AI regulations. Um, he was he made a big stink um, right before COVID and all of that for the U.S. to get out of government debt by inflating the currency and inflating, which is happening. Mm-hmm. Dead wrong about that. Um, he makes very terrible but smart, articulate arguments um about how uh the u.s can keep spending like i think he's so wrong and he fools so many people (laughs) which is crazy he's a very very big influence on the podcast space and then also he's on cnn msnbc and all this stuff but my take is like what he says you should probably do the opposite and he's not like kramer where it's where it's like specific but just like in in general anyways <clears throat> what what he brought up, which was a good point, because he has a lot of great points, is that a lot of corporate debt is coming due at the end of the year and the beginning of next year, yeah. and they can't refinance it without it blowing up their whole how they operate um, at these high rates. So threading the needle, you could still have the Fed keep rates for a couple months, maybe even raise it more, and then September twenty five down. October, 25 down. November, 25 basis points down. December, 20. You know what I mean? That would have to be the trend to alleviate the pending commercial real estate crisis. Yep. What they might do instead is not do that. Wait for it to blow up and be an emergency and then say, oh yeah, now we'll raise it. Like them preemptively... The only preemptive that's the only, thing that's the that they the, did well, that's the only thing they, was that, pre- preemptive cause problems. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. They preemptively cause problems. But they that, that would be the that would be a way for them to somehow try. They I think they would be trying to save face in the face of the public with that strategy. But no Because no. then
1: they would look like the savior.
2: Like more publicly than if they just quietly.
1: Exactly. If they do it the right way, yeah. they don't get credit for Bingo. it. Bingo. If they do it the wrong way, hey look, all these things are happening. Who, who is the bad person in that scenario? All all these uh, businesses that can't do it. The Fed will come in and save it, and we are worth it and stuff like that. No, Fed. You're the one who told them to buy all these bonds and uh, to, and allow them to operate in these conditions and then raise rates on them. And then when they're like, oh, we can't afford those rates, just like an uh, uh, adjustable rate mortgage, because that's how the uh, businesses play with it. I'm not saying that that's the right way. That's how they play with it because they buy them. And then when they have to sell these bonds, you can't sell a bond into a market that can get a higher rate just straight from the government. So the (laughs) banks and the governments are having the same issue. Yeah. And that the housing crashes because these bonds are on adjustable rate and people didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. Do you know how big that realization is? That statement is?
2: Uh, i I think I think it almost bears repeating just because it's that, yeah, yeah
1: <clears throat> because the bond rate is an adjustable rate, just like the mortgages were that caused the two thousand and eight financial crisis, governments and big corporations are in the same exact position that those adjustable rate mortgages were in two thousand and eight
2: yeah, exactly, so understand the gravity of what that means financially, right? I mean, I wonder what the total <laughs> number is. You could put to a uh, trillion. Yep. And, it's and trillions instead tr- of trillions. Oh, trillions.
1: And the Fed could quietly, easily solve this. But it looks better from their perspective if they wait till the emergency. Janet, goes. I love you. <laughs> Lance loves you. And Paul. Yep. you got doing great doing, for yourselves. You're doing great. Yeah.
2: So back to sales again. We've got a uh, our, good, our good friend Andrew Tate. He's going to read for oh. us again today and he's going to talk about window sales,
0: believe it or not. I would say, if you're gonna to say to a 20 year old who's truly exceptional and driven, I'd say you need to become a master communicator. Cause once you can do that, you can do anything. And that fixes all the other problems, right? We talk about making money. If you're a master communicator, you do fantastic yeah. in sales, yep. you'll kill sales. Yep. You'll absolutely destroy sales if you're a master communicator. Not many people know this, but I used to sell windows. You know, the old school knock on the door, window sales. I did window sales for two or three years. And I'd say this is one of the hardest jobs you could possibly do. And I would always recommend a young man if he has some time to waste to go sell windows. (laughs) And the reason, it's fantastic because I'll tell you why. It's the hardest one to sell because one, nobody wants them. Two, they don't know who you are. And three, even if you convince them that they need windows after them not knowing who you are, Then they go to all your competitors and then it becomes a price (laughs) war. It's a nightmare. It's the hardest sales job. If you're selling a Lambo, at least they want the Lambo. right? Nobody wants glass and plastic. They already have windows. So you gotta find a way to sell them these windows. How do you do that? And that's where all this master communication comes in. And it's so many subtle little things. Being a good salesman is not necessarily being a liar. It's not being a trickster. It's just understanding what's gonna make the person believe and understand what you say. If I walked in and said, would you like new windows and they essentially said no we don't need new windows our windows look fine i would say but what about the security aspect while looking at their three-year-old child and they'd sit there and go "Ah, uh, what do you mean security aspect and then i talk about how we had the lock 5000 and their locks are easy to break as if glass isn't glass it's all the same anyway and you'd end up selling the windows you have to find the triggers in people
2: you have to find you have to find the triggers in people right because then that will make them bite
0: yeah, you have
1: to find what's attractive to them. Yeah, what lure? Yeah, is I need this.
2: Yeah, yeah. What trigger? What, 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 what? What their triggers are, but what is attractive about you for for them to for you to solve that trigger problem? Yeah. Right? Are you fast? Is your design work awesome? Is your is your contract clean and clear? Are you fast? Are you responsive?
1: Well, no, yeah. I think those are two separate issues. Okay. The the first issue is what do they want or don't know that they want that you can bring out? Mm. Because the the biggest thing that I wanted him to shout out is like, no one wants windows. They already have windows. Yes. That's so hard. Oh, maybe there's safety. Maybe there's something about letting more light in and and actually not having it filtered. Maybe there's something about thermal comfort. So that's all relating to them and then doing that. The second part that people fail at then is, oh, now they're if you don't have your ducks in order and you're just like, Oh great. You want windows? I'll give you a quote in like three days and then, uh, get back to me rather than like, here it is. Here's the cost. Here we go. You really want it. We can do it literally next week and solve all these issues for you. Right. That's a differentiator.
2: hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. All right. What do we got next Al?
1: I think we have ARE Jeopardy. Let's go. Airy e. Jeopardy is brought to
2: you by Konzuri, Life Assured, but don't you don't have to be introducing Kanzuri, the shoe brand that not only elevates your style, but also boosts your height. Yes, you heard that right. Konzuri offers height boosting shoes made for men to build up the confidence they need for every situation. Al Gore, if he gets them, he'll be six foot one. Wow. With Konzuri, you will no longer have to settle for your natural height. These shoes can come in a variety of insoles, ranging from 1.2 inches to an impressive 2.7 inches of extra boost. Plus, Their heights range from 2.4 inches to 2.8 inches, giving you the perfect opportunity to look and feel good. Imagine, Jason, walking into a room with an added boost, commanding attention, and exuding confidence. Konzuri's height-boosting shoe allows you to stand tall and proud, enhancing your presence in any social or professional setting. As a special offer exclusively for our listeners, Konzuri is giving you a fantastic deal. Just use promo code LANCE. 48066, that's Lance 48066 to check out and to enjoy a generous 15% discount on your order today. Wow, Nick, if you're listening, that's right, get the height boosting shoes you've been dreaming of at an unbeatable price. So why settle for average when you can reach new heights Al with Konzuri, Experience a confidence that comes with an elevated style. Visit their website today at konzuri.com and remember to use promo code Lance 48066 for an extra 15% discount on your order. Step up! And embrace a taller, more confident you.
1: That was quite the read. Wow. The read ah. kept they going. Make your butt look better? Six, yes. And they make your butt look bigger. 100%. Yeah. Level up. All <laughs> right, moving in. <laughs> Question number one A window having <coughs> horizontal glass or wood louvers that pivot simultaneously in a common frame is called A, awning and hopper, B, sliding, C, pivoting. D, ah, uh, jalouse. D. D is correct. D is correct. Question number two: A window whose sash swings inward on hinges attached to the bottom of the frame is called a hopper, B sliding, C pivoting, D lower casement. A. a all architects here
2: yeah number three what is the minimum required number of plumbing fixtures per occupant in an office building according to the international plumbing code is it a one fixture per 20 occupants b one fixture per 25 occupants c one fixture per 30 occupants or d one fixture per 35 occupants what is the num what is the minimum number of plumbing fixtures per occupant in an office building according to the international plumbing code one fixture per 20 one fixture uh, a b one fixture per 25 c one fixture per 30 d one fixture per 35 correct answer is c wrong what do we got for scores okay jason's jason's in the lead here number four according to the national electric code What is the minimum height requirement for electrical outlets above finished floors in residential areas? Is it A, 12 inches, B, 15 inches, C, 18 inches, or D, 24 inches? (coughs) We should know this. The correct answer is C, 18 inches.
1: Oh, we're tied. Good thing we got a tiebreaker. Okay, first to say it. First to say it. I thought we already did this, but anyways, first to say it anyways.
2: Uh, I don't know if we did. We'll see. Yeah. Which architect is credited with designing the Guggenheim Museum in Bilbao, Spain? I don't think we did.
1: How dare you! How dare
2: you, indeed! Well, yes. Yes. Did we do that before? No. Exactly, we did before. How
1: wasn't that immediate? I have no idea. Anyways, <laughs> that's it for today's show. Thank you, uh, Andrew Tate, for being on the show. Yep, appreciate it, bud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you like the show, please like subscribe. Leave us a review and send Lance uh, shoes. Thank you. See you next week.
2: Awesome. Good show. Of course.